Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey there, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Thanks for the download today. And if you are a returning listener, thank you. If you are a new listener, thank you for giving us a try. We've got over 100 episodes by now, and hopefully you'll stick with us for the long haul, but you're welcome to go back. They're all free. So today's episode, I interview Jenny Burkadal. She is the Director of Employee Experience, basically does all the HR and recruiting for Metal Toad. They're a Portland-based technology company. A lot of software developers, they build websites and applications for a lot of enterprise clients and a lot of actually websites that you probably use on a regular basis. So they do some awesome work. They're looking for amazing talent. And we talk about the balance of hiring for culture and the alignment piece, the core values and competence. So Jenny talks about the entire recruiting and hiring process, and I think you're really going to love how deep we dive into the technical aspects. So if you're in the technology space, you're going to find this interesting, I think, and, and maybe you're going to get some tips. And if you're not in the tech space, I think you're still going to get a lot of value from it because you might hear some of the things that they're having to do because of how competitive the environment is for hiring and recruiting. So I'll stop rambling, and here's the conversation with Jenny. Hey, Jenny, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Brandon. Thanks. And thanks for having me. So Jenny at Metal Toad, you guys have robust recruiting process. Your role is heavily involved in that. You're out trying to find people that really fit your culture and are really good software engineers. You have something that you use called cultural alignment. And I really want to know, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So cultural alignment for us is a pretty simple concept. Really, it's just alignment with our company's core values. So when we talk about core values, we're talking about um, respect, curiosity, help, provide value, and experience. Really pretty basic core values. One thing we do not mean when we talk about cultural alignment is cultural fit. To distinguish that, I'll say a lot of companies hire based on, would you like to have a drink with this person? Or like (laughs) have dinner, or would you invite this person to dinner at your house? I've heard that used a lot. And then I think it's kind of an antiquated question or philosophy for hiring, but it's still definitely out there. We don't use that because hiring practices, you generally hang out with the people that look like you. Absolutely. So we actually think that focusing on, is this person helpful? Are they respectful? Are they curious? It actually expands the net of who you bring into your your organization. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I would think if you hire people that definitely fit the culture, that's obviously great. You're in a really highly competitive environment, though, where you have a lot of competition for software engineers. That's just a hot field or a hot position right now. So mm-hmm. what's the balance between hiring for culture fit or mm-hmm. hiring somebody who's super competent? Because those seem like they could contradict each other if you're 
hiring just for culture, but you don't have somebody who's necessarily competent. It seems like you'd have that both. So it's a unicorn. <laughs> That's a good point. And honestly, we, we hire for both. We just weight the culture alignment more heavily. So um, if we have to break it down, let's say it's at least 55 to 60% a cultural alignment fit. Mm. And then the skills as well. I mean, the engineering that we do is really robust and really heavy lifting. So we do look for senior level skills and architect level skills. But I, I don't know if it's just that we've been lucky, um, but we have not had a hard time finding those individuals. They're out there. Are they usually in the backyard in Portland? Do you have to find them out of state? How are you finding these people? A few things. One, Metal Toad is really committed to local talent. When possible, we always hire locally and we always try to grow people locally as well. That could be a whole nother <laughs> webinar oh, or podcast. Wow. But yeah, so we hire, I would say, 95% of our employees that are currently already living in Portland. As far as how do we find them, we do a few different approaches. So proactive approach, um, Metal Toad, you know, does, is out there in the community a lot. We open our doors for meetups, uh, Women Who Code, and PDX Women in Tech use our space for like JavaScript study nights, for example. Every Saturday, we open our doors to what's called Mentorship Saturday, which is a group of various skill level developers that get together for informal mentorship, uh, working on projects, and there's probably about 30 to 40 that come every week. So it just gets us visibility. We're out at a lot of community events. We sponsor a lot of events. So we just try to get out there uh, as much as mm -hmm. possible. And then when it comes to posting our jobs, we make sure that we post to a wide net. So the basic ones, LinkedIn, Craigslist, uh, Indeed. But then we also post to local job boards such as the women who code or the PDX women in tech or people in color in tech as well. So yeah, I would say we, we tried to cast the widest net possible and it's, it's been pretty successful in finding talent here. Yeah. And it seems like in your particular industry, diversity would be a huge, a huge thing to go after because you want diverse backgrounds, diverse minds, and of course, people that align with your culture. But what are you doing? I mean, you're casting a wide net, but I, I'm sure that you're looking not only in different areas, but just different sort of microcultures in in the area to find people that kind of fit what you need. What do you what are you doing from that perspective? I'm not exactly sure from a microculture perspective, but we also, you know, utilize our developers. When we're looking, mm. for example, recently for a senior mobile developer, the development team on that team actually got really involved in the recruiting process. They reached out to some of the Android meetups that they're involved in or one, um, a conference that one of our developers was involved with and did just a reach out to, do you guys know anyone? <laughs> and we actually found a candidate that way. So utilizing your current talent to help find talent at the skill level yeah. that the team is looking for and, and empowering your employees to be active in that recruiting process especially when you're a recruiting team of one. <laughs> that, that's super helpful. I imagine it's hard for you because you're probably like, oh, I'm, I'm alone in this. I'm, I'm trying to find the talent. But is there any risk where if you, if you have some of the developers, friends and family or within their network, that you're just going to hire more people exactly like them? I don't know if you want that or not, but is that a risk? It is a risk. And we actually, we do not, I mean, to answer your question, if we want that, we do not. You know, we actually want people to hire people that are not like themselves for a lot of different reasons, for diversity reasons, for business reasons. Statistically, you actually are a more efficient, more creative company when you have diverse perspectives. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is a risk. And I think that that's a less of a risk when they're just utilizing the networks they have as far as skill-based networks. 
Uh, when it comes to friends hiring friends, that does become more of a risk. But yeah, I mean, I think as long as you have kind of a comprehensive approach and watch for that, that you can mitigate yeah. some of that risk. Talk to me about the kind of the wider recruiting process and, and really kind of backing up all the way. Mm-hmm. What kind of language are you using? What sort of you, you mentioned like you're on LinkedIn, a couple other places. Yeah. I'm really curious from like an big old employer brand perspective, what kind of words you're using to sort of tie in people and to make sure that they like, oh, wow, this is actually the place that I'm looking for to kind of hit that culture piece first. So in our job descriptions, one, we make sure that we just include the essential qualifications to be successful at that job. One of the two top requirements on our job descriptions or qualifications is read and adhere to our company corporate values or our core values, and two, believe in the company mission. Uh, When you put that front and center as the first two qualifications for a job, I mean, I've had a lot of candidates say, wow, I totally understood what you're looking for Mm. when I read that. We also, you know, we blog heavily on our website, not just about the technology we do, but about how we create what we create from a more cultural perspective and what we look for out of candidates and what we demand from each other that really adheres to those values. So there's actually quite a bit of communication before the initial interview that a candidate can get of what we're looking for. And so talk about kind of that process. So like once you get a candidate in the door, imagine... Since you guys are a tech company to a certain extent, you guys have probably a really seamless process, you know, applicant tracking system, mm-hmm. custom written, uh, responded emails, all, you know, also, I'm sure it's a great process. I want to know about that first experience. Is that like over the phone with you kind of interview or is mm-hmm. it in person? Like what, what's your kind of first step in that process? Yeah. So our first step is a phone conversation and that is me. And that's kind of a two pronged approach to a screen. One is definitely focused on that cultural alignment. So a lot of questions about what is the candidate's past history with mentorship? Tell me about a time that you were able to respectfully work through a dispute with a coworker. So a lot of questions that really get to the core values. And then I also do a lot of talking and kind of career mapping with our recruits because it's really important to me to understand where each individual wants to go in their career and then how metal toad could fit into that picture. And if there's unalignment there, just giving that that candidate a chance to talk about the narrative of how, if it's not a direct alignment, how they see it working. In that first phone interview, you're really trying to hone in on that cultural alignment if they're a fit or, or are they not. Do you ever talk about money during that process? Yeah, at the very end, generally, you know, in our in our applicant tracking system, there is a field for desired pay. And if the applicant has put it in, then I don't bring it up. Um, if they leave it blank, then I generally do ask, but I ask in a way that I think is a little bit different than other companies. How do you ask it? Yeah, I simply ask, where would you like to be financially if this position worked out? Or if, yeah, if are you given sense. the opportunity to work in this position? Because I think if you ask where would you like to be financially, that's different than what you currently make right now. And that's an important distinction because I think a lot of wage equity happens when you base someone's salary off what they're getting paid currently instead of get what is this specific job and where do they want to get paid and what's fair in the market for that specific job. Because we do hire quite a few career switchers as well. Yeah, that's actually a really good distinction. I imagine that's really tough for a lot of recruiting people or HR people who are are going through that first process where the money thing comes up. It'd probably be easier if you'd never ask about past pick to your point. 
this position is scoped much differently than what your last position was. And industries may not align. And so, mm-hmm. you know, profit margins might be different. There may be just less compensation or more compensation. So I imagine that's kind of awkward. It's it's nice that you can kind of get around that without having to be an issue. Or maybe it is an issue for you. No, it's not. And I feel like it is just a more respectful way to ask it. So it doesn't become an issue. We still have candidates that say, you know, I'd rather not say right now. I would rather see if this is a good fit. And generally why they're saying that is they're looking for something that is a great fit for themselves as well. And often we'll have candidates that will end up taking slightly less than maybe what they wanted because of the culture fit and it being a place that they really want to work. And when we have really strong benefits package, so total comp and, and our salaries are great, but just for different reasons. A candidate may choose, yeah, metal toad over a higher paying job, and they don't want to basically get yeah. to that point until they're ready to. And that's fine. We make room for that as well. So I'm curious about, you know, during the process, you're obviously asking questions that are about culture and, and whether or not they align with you. But in your field, software engineers, they need to be competent. How do you find that out during the process? Because, I mean, every resume probably looks very similar. They, they've they worked on similar softwares. They've done similar projects. Mm-hmm. It all looks pretty similar. Yeah. Do you ever get them in there and actually see them in action and see how they work with the team? Like, how does it all work? Yeah, that's a really good question, especially when your recruiter, like me, has not ever been a developer. <laughs> because You've never coded before. Never oh, interesting. Coded, so I look at resumes and sometimes I'm totally off. So like I mentioned, that first step is an initial phone screen. That is really the purpose of it is the value alignment and the career mapping. Uh, the second step is an on-site interview with a hiring manager for the position. And that is the skills portion. So when it's an engineering mm, okay. position, um, we'll have the hiring manager who's generally a senior developer and architect on the team that's looking to add a person to. And they go through, they do a, a coding challenge. They do some hypotheticals and some whiteboarding. And they use consistent questions for each candidate, uh, or I should say consistent base questions for each candidate But depending on skill level, they'll kind of flex up or flex down if needed as well. That's really at that point where we get the skills. And so it's the the second step. Usually if I was far off, then we'll see it really soon into the process. And now for a quick break to talk about Zenium's third annual What People Want From Work survey. Are your employees happy at work? Here's one way to find out. There's nothing better than open, honest, and anonymous feedback which is why Zenium created the What People Want From Work survey, which is open to employers of all sizes for free. This 20-question employee survey reveals what people really want from their workplace, and it provides insights around leadership, workplace culture, management support, rewards and recognition, and work environment. Employers can sign up for free June 20th, 2017 until July 31st, 2017 at ZeniumHR.com. And the link is in the show notes, so you can get right to the page. And now back to the program. Do you ever get to the point where you do any sort of what I call a dreaded panel interview? <laughs> we do. We do do a panel oh, interview. Oh, gosh. Those are so nerve-wracking for, for candidates. Yeah. So that's actually the third step of our process. So first step is that phone conversation. Second step is the on-site interview, um, which is skills-based. And then the third step as a panel interview, which is really for 
the members of the team that we're adding the person to, and more importantly, it's for the candidate to meet the members of the team that they'll be working with to make sure on their end too, like, yep, this is the type of team I'm looking for. It's pretty much equal time. So the panelists asking the, the recruit questions and the recruit getting a chance to ask the panelists questions. And, you know, at that stage too, we're looking for weighted number of questions on the cultural behavioral aspect and less on the skills. Um, the idea at that point is that the skills interview happened. The team said, yep, they're totally in line on the skill levels, and now let's go back to alignment and what we're looking for on the team as far as culture. So after that point, you're ready to make an offer. Somebody accepts an offer. What's the next, what are the next stages of the hiring process that sort of aligns your culture and all those kind of steps? Yeah, so let's say someone accepts an offer with us. Actually, this is something that Zenium has really helped us out with as far as streamlining this process. All of our kind of pre-onboarding or orientation level paperwork is handled through Zenium's payroll electronic onboarding system, which has been really great. So basically, to walk you through the process, Canada accepts the offer. I send an email outlining the steps of what's going to happen prior to their first day, which includes confirmation for your first day. So you know, we're a casual dress code, we'll be taking you out to lunch, please let us know if we have any dietary restrictions, <laughs> what time to come, the fact that they can reach out to me. But in those steps is also ladies from Zenium, who is our partner in, in HR, is going to be reaching out to you with an introduction. Um, and then we'll also be sending you a link to get you started on some paperwork. It's optional if you want to do it prior to joining, otherwise you can do it on your first day as well. And just kind of what to expect from the process. And then we send every candidate, um, as long as there's a few days in between offer and start date, a fun little postcard in the mail from their team that basically just says, welcome, we're so excited to have you, and um, we'll see you on whatever day, whatever day it is that you start. That's really nice. So what about with their first day? What does that look like? In a tech company, the first day is a little bit different because it takes a lot of time to set up computers for the dev environment. So yeah, if they're a developer... Yeah. The first day is generally, you know, like, welcome. They attend the teams, stand up, which is kind of a nice way for them to hear what's going on during the week and, and to meet everyone again. And then they're just given a lot of time and space on that first day to get acclimated to their space. So, you know, they're given a tour of the company. They are given basically brand new technology and some documentation guides to get set up and to start downloading things. And their team brings them out to lunch. Um, I circle up with them at some point to finish any of the paperwork that didn't get done electronically and just to give, you know, my spiel and welcome and <laughs> all that kind of fun stuff. But it's a really relaxed day, actually. I love it. So yeah. I'm going to ask you the, the, the tougher question because we've all mm -hmm. probably been here. When you make what in hindsight would be a bad hire, so somebody <laughs> you thought was culturally aligned, Mm -hmm. And and they just aren't necessarily who you thought they were, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. competence or just just the culture piece is just not, they're just not a fit with the team. What do you what do you end up doing? Do you do you make a switch after ninety days? Like what's what's the process there? Yeah, that is a tough question. I think luckily we haven't experienced this very much, Good. actually at all, since I've started with Metal Toad. Oh wow! Okay, so you, it's hard for you to even speak to this. We have absolutely have a process that we would take, which is, you know, I think generally when there could be some cultural unalignment, let's assume one, that there was just a misunderstanding or lack of transparency. So the first step would just be for myself or their manager to sit down and be like, hey, you know, like, how are things going? 
Do you have any questions? You know, we've noticed this. Let's talk about it. One thing that's really important in our culture is open communication. And let's assume that this person wasn't communicating openly. So just, just like a, a refresher of the values. Because if they're new, let's, we, you know, metal code always assumes positive intent. So let's just assume that they just didn't know. When that has been discussed, then I, I would hope that that behavior becomes extinct. If it doesn't, um, we always, you know, utilize performance improvement plans or we go through the process that we take when things aren't working out. And that would include a series of written communications and some coaching, definitely actionable steps and some achievables for that individual to get where they need to be. Luckily, we haven't had to do that since I've started. That's good. That means you have a really good process and that you are probably so defined on what your culture is and who you're looking for that if you ask all the right questions throughout that process, there shouldn't be many mistakes, I would imagine. That, I mean, that's definitely the help. When you asked about what happens after an offer and pre-employment, there is, you know, actually two other resources that we use to help bridge that gap, which I forgot to talk about. One being our employee handbook. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the more legalese, the policies, but it does explain and it does go over our culture and our core values as well. Um, and you get that before you even start. So if there's any questions or concerns, an employee has an opportunity to air those prior to their first day. And then secondarily, on the first day, each employee is given what we call toad lore. Have you heard of toad lore? I've seen it. I haven't read it. Uh, I think I saw yeah. Tim uh, Winter, who, who's been on the podcast before, actually, from your mm-hmm. company. He uh, he posted something on LinkedIn. I saw it. It looked pretty cool. Yeah, you can you can actually find it on LinkedIn if you look at Tim Winter's profile. He has uploaded the whole thing. But Teldor is just a really fun way to explain some more of those like cultural norms and expectations of the company. It answers a lot of questions that new employees have from more of a socialization aspect, yeah. less legal. You know, like we, we have tags on site and I know every person wants to ask, well, when's too early to have a beer? <laughs> and no one actually <laughs> wants to ask that because that's an embarrassing question maybe to ask on your first day. So it preemptively answers a lot of those types of questions and and really should give that person an insight into a lot of that cultural and kind of social norms. I can't believe I forgot to ask you this question, but during that uh, sort of that recruiting process, maybe when you're involved or Mm -hmm. during the hiring process, do you ever use assessments like a disc assessment Mm. or, you know, Myers-Briggs, just anything to kind of get either their work habits or personality? Yeah, we we do use the disc. We use it after employment. Okay. Okay. So they're an employee. They've been hired at this point. Yes. Actually, I love the disc. Personally, what I used before coming to Metal Toad was more of the Gallup Strength Finders, which I absolutely love. Yes, I love that too. The disc is really interesting because it gives you visibility and really the people on your team and their modes of operation. And it just, it explains how they communicate and maybe what they need out of communication in order to be the most effective. So I like it a lot. And and I think that it, it certainly helps each team, but it is something that we do post-employment offers. When you think big picture about when you hire for cultural alignment and you have like this really strong culture where everybody's super aligned, all that. What's kind of like the the big picture benefits uh, of doing something like this? Yeah, I mean, I think that when it comes to alignment and, and alignment around core values, especially, I mean, they're, they're so simple as respect, curiosity, uh, helpfulness, 
providing value and experience. When you have everyone centered around those, things like curiosity. So we're a tech company. Tech is constantly involving. Our teams are working on projects right now with companies that are so robust and they're in technologies that did not exist a year ago. So if we don't look for people that are constantly wanting to grow and, and to be curious and just to dive into things, then we're not going to evolve as a company as fast as technology is evolving and will become extinct. As far as respect, I think if you can't respect others and really listen and communicate in a way that is just not assuming positive intent, if it's not getting to the heart of what are we both trying to accomplish here, and we might be trying to accomplish it in a different way, that's fine, but we need to acknowledge that and then move forward. If you don't have that basic sense of respect going into difficult conversations, you're just not going to be a very productive company. So really, core values are at the bottom line of company evolution and productivity. When you're in a highly competitive market like you're in, where mm-hmm. talent is kind of hard to find, could mm-hmm. the cultural alignment and just the core values piece really help really fight for that talent? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have candidates that apply for jobs at Metal Toad because of what they've heard about us as a place to work. It's such a strong tool. I mean, if you look at industry averages, you know, especially when you're hiring local talent, so you're not, you know, bringing in all your high-level talent from California or wherever, it can be difficult to find that level of talent here in town because it's super competitive. They exist, they're just generally employed. But when you look at our statistics on time to hire, uh, we're actually doing really well. I think this year added about 14 positions since January. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but our time to close, so basically position is listed on the website and the employee's first day um, is about 30 business days. And from position open to offer accepted, it's about half of that. So it's about 15 business days. So we are able to find that highly skilled local talent. And I think one of the main reasons is because when you hire for cultural fit, you become a place that other people want to join as well. Well, good stuff. Uh, Jenny, anything you want to kind of wrap up with? You know, where can you find Metal Toad's work? Your website's great. Uh, maybe give the URL for that if, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So we're metaltoad.com, which is M-E-T-A-L-T-O-A-D.com. And yeah, so you can find our work there. You can, uh, I mean, you're probably using it and you just don't know in a lot of different ways. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that probably means you have really good products if people are, are using it with some of the big websites out there. Yeah, so take a look. And, and you might be surprised that for a company that's here in Portland and it's about 55 people that the caliber of the work that we do and uh, with the size of company that we work with is pretty unique. Do you mind mentioning some of the websites, uh, the, the work you guys have done? Is that Would that be okay to disclose? Yeah, of course. So, you know, we've worked with companies locally like Daimler. We work with Sony. We work with Intel, ABC, Grammys, Emmys. Wow. Lots of cool entertainment industry. Actually, our industries are pretty diverse, but we do seem to have like DC Comics as well. And we do lots of work with the Comic-Con. Yeah, so it's no wonder that you have to have the best of the best. All those websites tend to be really interactive, so you probably have to have some really sharp people behind the scenes. Yeah, and actually a lot of the development we do is not website work, but it's more of that enterprise application-level development. Yeah. So building tools for companies. And you know, a lot of that is actually protected by 
NDAs, so I can't get into the specifics sure. of what we do, but for companies, um, yes, I think once they're released, uh, we certainly could talk about it, but a lot of what we do is really at the forefront of machine learning, data science, data visualization, and yeah, I think a lot of that, the new age of technology, the internet of things, so it's pretty cool. It's an exciting time for our company. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.